grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble and reminisce about crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with the guests and reminisce about the good old days. Most weeks I'll be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. (laughs) All the way from New York City, comedian Mr. Ryan Thomas. What's up, y'all? How you doing? What's up, man? Good to see you, dude. Good to see you. How you been? Dude, I've, I've been good. I was uh, I was on the road the last couple weeks. Yeah, you went up. to Vegas, you went to Miami, you went back home, you've been all over the place. Yeah, dude, it's a lot, a lot of spots. Most recently, I was in San Francisco, which is where I started. Okay. Uh, the homie was getting married out there, so I lined up a couple shows. It was cool, good-ass time. And then I went to Austin, Texas for comedy for the first time. How was that? I'm a little jealous of their scene. A little bit. Like yeah, they, have you talked to Espy about this? Friend of the show, Espy Rivadonera? I, I didn't talk to her much she about it She started in Austin. Yeah. And she's like, they had a scene. Mm-hmm. Like, Rogan and Segura moved out there, and everyone's like, oh, the scene is crazy. And Espy's always like, there was a scene there already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I talked to people that had been there, like, in the before times and yeah. the after time, like, Pre uh, Segura and Rogan and post Rogan, and they were like, "Nah, like you can tell, like light years." Yeah, I'm sure it's definitely because apparently a whole bunch of people like really did because Austin opened up maybe like six months after lockdown or some shit like that. Like it was the yeah, same in even, 2020. Yeah. Like they were open. Yeah, and all the all the good comics came down that wanted stage time, but then also all the really hungry comics came down. I had a couple friends in Jacksonville move to Austin just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too far into everything, plug everything up front. Social media, this will come out in 10 days. Any shows you got coming out, anything like that? 10 days. What the hell is today? Today's the 20th. 10 days. All right. Uh, I got an audition coming up at Westside Comedy Club on October 29th. Damn, that's not 10 days. So <laughs> I guess y'all will find out how that shit went. Uh, social media is Ryan Thomas Comedy for Instagram, TikTok. And then I got a podcast called The Vegan Chitlin Circuit that you can find on Spotify. What is that podcast about? It's just three comics bullshitting, really. Okay. Yeah. I, I wish we had a theme, but what happens is every time we start talking about a theme, we just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And it, it's three black comics, and we always just end up like making it about race. Okay. And it depends on how silly the conversation is, but we always get into some deep stuff off of like some very trite topics. Like okay. we just make everything deeper than it needs to be. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that's your theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. I guess it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um I wanted to have you on. I've been asking you to do this for a while, but you've been traveling a lot lately, so I'm glad we got to have you on. I wanted to ask, since it is your first time on the show, I always do this, and we were talking about this a lot before the mics went hot, about just comedy and comedy in New York in general and everything, but how did you get into stand-up? Because you were an athlete, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, weren't you? Yeah, dude. I was out here running. Yeah, D1 you were, track, too. Yeah. D1, hey, D1, 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 D1 baby. Yeah. Where'd you go? I, I, I walked on, though. I walked on. I wasn't... I was I, a preferred walk-on, so... Yeah, I was there for the grades. That's yeah. why they let me on the team. I, I was track and field. I went to USC. Holy shit! Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it was hella funny, because people always give me that reaction, and like I got to let them know, because like, if you're a normal person, you'll think that I was fast, but if you're a track athlete, you'll be like, how the fuck did you get to run it? USC you know what I'm saying yeah. so like I my junior year when I came back we had two people on the team that came back with silver medals around their necks from the Olympics like, <laughs> and I was like I was technically I was technically on the same team as them yeah but like all I saw was like their asses from like far away and then in, trust me man it's the same thing in football for football in South Florida oh yeah everyone's like oh you played like because I I obviously hype it up I'm like yeah I played D1 at FAU partial scholarship you know because they paid for my books and my meal plan I was still partial just a preferred walk, but that's a partial mm-hmm. scholarship but it's so funny because people are like yeah man like you were a D1 athlete and I'm like technically yeah mm-hmm. but I was just scout team and special team fill in and like 
technically i was in the army but like what was i i was cleaning latrines like you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah i had the uniform but there was shit on my uniform yeah definitely that's that's that was my experience as well so before we get too far into that i wanted to ask you how you actually got into stand-up because you're from the west coast mm-hmm. and were you always a fan of comedy growing up or did you like just kind of fall into it or how did that work out i bro i didn't ever really like stand-up comedy when i was growing up okay like i i liked or I should say I loved like Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook, but that Dane wasn't Cook like is the most play on the show. Cause he's the reason I started comedy. Oh, is he? Yeah. Dude, I mean, uh, I, Oh, yo. you'd be over here at sleepovers. Just listen to it. You're not supposed speak, to speak. speak like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that, like, so those are the two people, but I didn't associate them with like stand up comedy as an art form because when I would watch comedy central late at night, stand up would be on. And I'd be like, this dude's not funny. This chick's not funny. This person's not funny. Stand up is dumb. Like, put on the cartoons. I want to watch Family yeah. Guy type shit. Yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't really get into stand up until after I started doing it. Okay. I'm being totally honest. And I started doing it because I used to do, like, basically speaking at my corporate job where we had, like, a group that would get together called Toast. So this Masters. is after college and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, if you want the medium sized story, my first taste was college. We had a speaking class, like public speaking class, yeah. write speeches, get good at it, right? And I went to USC, which means like I went to school with like a lot of twats like, yeah. and also a lot of people that wanted to be in Hollywood. So we had this exercise we had to do where all we were doing was speaking and practicing walking around the room. That's it. Stage presence. That's it. Stage presence. So the teacher said, all right, just say your ABCs. Keep it simple. Say your ABCs, A to Z, and then start here and in there, and that's it. First 10 people go ABCs. 11th person gets up and does fucking a monologue from Othello. And I was like, this fucking asshole. And then someone else goes up not to be outdone and does Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And I was like, I hate these people. I hate them so much. I'm going last. So I'm in the corner like, what can I do? I was like, you know what? I'm finna do a Dave Chappelle bit. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was like, I'm about to, yeah. I'm going to do the Dave Chappelle fried chicken bit. Okay. Where it's like... uh, it's like you ever had something happen to you so racist you didn't even know it was racist. Like I had, I was in, I was in the South. I was in Mississippi. I walked up into the restaurant. And I was like, I would like to have. And before I could say anything, I was like, the chicken. <laughs> and I got upset. I wasn't even mad. I was just upset. I said, How did he know that I was gonna order the chicken? He goes, Come on, buddy. That whole bit. <laughs> ain't you no did the secret. whole thing. Yeah, ain't no secret around here that blacks and chickens are quite fond of one another. <laughs> Everybody knew as soon as you walked in the goddamn door that she was going to order some chicken, right? So I did that whole thing. Obviously, everyone busts up. But in my mind, I'm thinking, like, well, obviously, it's Dave Chappelle. How could you not laugh? And folks were like, yo, you should do stand-up comedy. They thought it was yours? No, I told them. I told them it was Chappelle. They were like, but you should still do it because you were funny. And I was like, nah, that's not the same shit. So flash forward probably six or seven years later was the first time I hit the stage. Okay. And I just had friends from my office pressuring me like, yo, dude. And you said you were doing Toastmasters. That that, tri- mm-hmm. that triggered in my head because my dad used to do that because my dad oh, was word. in sales and public speaking. I was and in stuff. sales. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so my dad did a lot of that. He um, originally started going and then he would like bring some of his younger junior sales guys to the thing so they could learn how to be better at public speaking. Mm-hmm. So you were doing that. And then when did it... Everyone from the office was just like, you should try this, you should try this? or Yeah, because you can happened? talk about whatever you want in Toastmasters for the most part. So yeah. whenever I did, I would just do some funny shit. But like, there's always an excuse to not try stand-up, right? Always, yeah. And my excuse in the office was like, dude, the threshold for laughing in a corporate office is minimal. At it's best. pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Like, you say some shit that should be funny and people laugh because everyone hates their job. That's not just in the corporate world. That's in like most regular quote unquote jobs. Like I work in the service industry Mm -hmm. and like the whole Tom Brady thing happened where everyone on the, and everyone on the news was reporting like Giselle took the kids Mm -hmm. and then cut to Tom Brady this past Sunday, screaming at his offensive line. I didn't leave my wife and kids. (laughs) So I could lose to fucking Kenny Pickett. (laughs) So we're talking about this at work and I go, look at him taking his power back. That's right, King. And everyone like died. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And then I did it on stage like two days later and it bombed. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that doesn't that's like a convoluted in the moment thing. Because, you, yeah, you can't trust the hoi polloi and you got to like set up the pins to knock them down and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I had all these barriers to entry in my mind. But like my homies were like, dude, just try the shit. And then I guess the short version is 
I happened to have some free pool staying at my house that were producing a comedy show. I had never done stand up before. And we got high together and I was being funny. And they're like, you're hilarious, bro. I was like, put me on your show. And they were like, no. Why what <laughs> why the fuck? Why would we do that? Why would you... people who have been in it for a while now we completely understand that reaction? <laughs> why would we do that? That's dumb. We are funny now. We're not putting you on stage. And then the next day they hit me up while I was at the office and they're like, yo, we thought about it and we realized Fuck it. Who cares? We don't even live here. We're just producing one show and yeah. then we're fucking off to New York. So like, yeah, fine. You can be on the show. You have 24 hours to get six minutes ready. Dude. And I was like, oh, word. For anyone listening who doesn't do stand up, that's a tough, that's a tall order. That's a tough ask. Which like I didn't know at the time. I was like, all right, six minutes. So it will be. Yeah. So I just put together six minutes of like thoughts that I had had that I wanted to stay on stage. I rehearsed the shit out of it for probably like two or three hours. Like okay. I had the six minutes down. I went in my garage. I went in front of the mops and like the bucket. And I pretended <laughs> that was the audience. And I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> How'd it go? And then I went, it, it went fantastic. Did it? Good. In retrospect, it took me a couple of years to realize it went fantastic because I went last. But before I went up, they were like, hey, guys. This is the last comic and it's his first time. Uh, okay. And so the audience was like super yeah. behind me. Yeah. They were like very supportive. All I had to do was like not suck terribly. It's so interesting. The first time or the first like couple times you do stand up, as long as you say this is the first, you know, this is my second show ever, or, this is my whatever, they'll be very supportive. And it's weird because then it takes a turn. And mm -hmm. then in that middle time, they could give a fuck about you. Uh -huh. And then. Once you become popular and gain an audience, you again just have to be okay funny. And they're like, yeah. we love you. It's like that weird middle ground that is where everyone gets weeded out. It's uh -huh. that middle time. And that's where you get good. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh-huh. And that's the interesting thing too about like people that get an audience early, uh like off Some of something them suck. like a TikTok or a podcast or what have you. Like if you haven't spent enough time in that middle ground. You'll still have your audience because they're just happy to see you. Yeah. But it's harder to garner that larger audience because, like, you're not good enough at stand-up for them to also come on board. Absolutely. And I've talked to I've talked to people who have been in comedy for a long time and who have worked with some huge names. Mm -hmm. And they always say uh, there's a common theme that if you're famous and you drop in and bump people and get on the show – the audience will give you between 90 seconds to two and a half minutes. Uh -huh. That's what your fame has bought you. That amount of time. I saw when I saw Bill Burr at the stand. Yeah. I felt that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Bill was doing his thing. But yeah. a lot of the like the stand audience is not his audience. They're younger. They're hip. Yeah. They're very Definitely aware. Definitely like more woke. Yeah. And like they will stop themselves from laughing at something if they feel like they're being looked at. Oh, we've seen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've seen it firsthand. Yeah. And it's fantastic to watch like a master of the craft like sit in that and you're like, yo, you still, it's kind of exciting that they still like not bomb, but like that they still miss. Yeah. And you're like, I miss as well. We're the same. <laughs> oh my God. I know I told this story, so I'm sorry to the listeners, but that thing almost exactly, but in reverse happened where- I went to the we went to the ten year anniversary show and we were all hanging out. I know you were there. We were hanging and when I was downstairs, I was talking shit to Shane Gillis because his Notre Dame team had just lost to Marshall. Uh huh. And oh, Marshall damn, used like to, a bitch. Marshall used to be in the same conference as FAU, so we uh -huh. would lose to him all the time. Yeah. So I was fucking. I was like, don't worry about it, man. We my team used to always lose to Marshall too. And he's like, what the fuck you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I know Notre Dame. It's a tough lot. He's like, dude, are we really like? I don't even want to talk about this. But like we were just joking. Like I was just yeah. we were dicking around. He probably doesn't remember, probably fucking hates me now, but whatever. Yeah. But I thought like in that moment I was like, Oh, we're just two dudes talking football. Mm -hmm. Like like you're saying, it's like we're like the same. We're the same person. Yeah. And then he went up and murdered and I go, Oh, we're not the same person. We are not the same person. Yeah, we are not the same. I am an alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just casually talk it. I don't know. I don't know how the level of laughs that that dude gets. It's insane. It, it's like I, I'm confident that on my best set of all time, I've never gotten one laugh as deep. In like like as, a guttural response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the cool thing and same thing with Burr, where is if. People will just give themselves up to be like, oh, this is a joke. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious because they're kidding. The whole thing is a joke. And like 
with Shane in one of his bits where he mentions ISIS. I'm not obviously going to do the bit, but he mentions mm-hmm. ISIS. Immediately, people pull back. Uh-huh. And it's like, if you just give in to the fact that we're joking, it's fucking hilarious. What I just realized is the difference between like the laughs that someone like that gets and the laughs like someone like at our level gets is the difference between like laughing with your friends at some shit that like basically locker room talk. Yeah. Like you will never laugh as hard as you do inside a locker room when you're saying some shit that no Outrageous one stuff, yeah. should ever say or even think. And everyone knows that it's a joke and everyone's in on the fact that it's a joke. Yeah. And that's when you you just see niggas on the floor just, just dying. Di- just literally, out of it looks yeah. like they're dying and you can tell they're not getting enough oxygen. Yeah. To their face or to their brain. Those are the laughs that those guys and girls get. Those mm-hmm. are the laughs. Those kind of laughs. When everyone is in on the joke. And then we do stuff on stage and we get laughs, but it's like, oh, that's not the same. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that because I go to so many shows. Because I've been doing comedy on and off for over a decade. But I love comedy mm-hmm. as an art form, as a as a entertainment, whatever you want to say. I love comedy. So I and you see it at the mics. If I think something's funny, I will robustly <laughs> laugh because I'm like, oh, you that's the, you like one of the only ones. Yeah, I know. And then I go on stage and bomb, and I go, oh, because I'm not sitting out in the audience to laugh <laughs> at the stuff that I think is funny. And but it's so interesting because I I feel that I feel it in my bones mm-hmm. where I will watch some of these these comics and I go, like my writing style is similar, like my delivery is similar, my stage presence is similar, but it's the material. Because mm-hmm. they're like destroying, mm-hmm. and then I will do something like as a similar, like almost premise, uh-huh. and it's just like ha 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 ha, uh-huh. and I'm like, what? I, I like it's literally a different. It's like when I played high school football, then I went to D one, and I was like, oh, this is fucking different. Uh-huh. Like these oh. people are all just built different. Yeah, and I'm sure you felt the same oh, way. That shit is wild, dude. Yeah, Let you get see. to USC and you're like, oh, this is. Yeah, I'm technically on the team, but mm-hmm. this is weird. Yeah, it it it's completely different stratosphere. But I think part of the way to get there, there's there's so many different things that build into it. But talking about shit you're not supposed to talk about, I think, is the way to get the biggest laughter. It's kind of like the higher the highs, the lower the lows, Absolutely. and vice versa. And like, if you really want like that, like a sound to resonate, like you can't do it with the little toy drum. You, you got to get one of those big ass Chinese motherfuckers and just the gong, boom, yeah. and then you feel it in here because you got that that big difference. It's interesting you say that too because growing up playing football my whole life, I obviously have and being arrested so many times and like getting in a lot of trouble. I have a different perspective on. Not different from everybody. I know I'm not unique, but it's like an an interesting perspective on like race and stuff like that. Yeah. So in Florida, I would talk about that all the time uh-huh. and it would always hit. Like I remember I did a cigar bar one time and I did a joke and literally the dude in the front row was like, that's genius. That's brilliant. Uh-huh. And then I went to UCF like the next day and did a college <laughs> show, did the same exact joke. And it's all white kids now. And the girl in the front was like, um, I mean, it makes you think, but it's not really funny. And I was like, somebody just called this genius like 24 Yo. hours ago. But it's but then I moved to New York and I get so scared. I'll be honest, I get so scared to do that kind of material because I'm like, I look the way I look. I'm already fighting from a disadvantage uh-huh. from the art of comedy. Yeah. Not obviously, obviously living in society as a cis white straight male. I have that's every right. Advantage. Check your privilege. But check your privilege in comedy. Like I have this whole bit about like I've been arrested eight times. I smoked Newport cigarettes and I was a D one running back on paper. I'm the blackest person in this, <laughs> and it's funny. But I get so scared to do it, dude. I think there's there's like conviction. I feel like I don't know if it's living in liberal places, New York City, what it is. But I feel like a lot of comics these days, and I'm guilty of this all the time. Like you want to be at least as right as you are funny. Yeah. And like, that's not where you want the conviction to be on like, oh, what I'm saying is clever or correct. You want that conviction to be 100% behind this is funny. Okay. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense because that's the difference in levels we're talking about is the people at the level above us, they are like, this is the joke. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the joke and it's funny and I'm yes. going to fucking work it uh-huh. until, like, I was watching a very well known comic last night. I won't say who it was because I don't want to burn it, but. Uh-huh. He said 
retard like 19 times. Mm -hmm. And this is at the stand. Uh -huh. And I love this comic. And I was like, and as a comic, I'm looking around the room like, who's going to who's gonna disagree with this? Uh -huh. But the person on stage didn't give a shit because he's like, this is how the bit is going to work. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm doing the bit. Yeah. And I was like, that's the difference. Yeah. For, I get scared in my own head. It's like for the, the 10, 15, 60 minutes you're up there, whatever, it's like you are able to create a cult of personality just for that time, a bubble where like you are correct and like your doctrine is comedy and like your verses are jokes and everyone is over here like, yes, this is the truth. Give me the gospel that yeah. is funny. And it doesn't matter if it's true outside of like that space in that time. But if you come with conviction, people are like, why would, why would they say it with so much conviction if it wasn't, it wasn't funny? true? Yeah. If it wasn't funny. Yeah. And that's, that's a, problem that i run and i mean i know you and i have talked about this off mic before but that's just something it's that last not last there's obviously a lot of humps to get over but that's as far as the craft of comedy i know in my instance in my experience that's the last thing because there's stuff i think of all the time and i go oh that's hilarious but i can never say it uh -huh. and i just trash it i just go i'm not gonna do it mm -hmm. and that's where i get in trouble because it's like you don't know until you try it i just don't want to be the guy at the mics where it's like oh fucking here goes brennan again talking about you know mm -hmm. race or equality or something because it's like like i have that whole bit about how america's new money uh -huh. and in the bit i mentioned slavery and as yeah. soon as i say that line you know the only people that laugh at that you sasha and a couple other people <laughs> you're the only ones that laugh <laughs> those at are it. black people yeah yeah, yeah. and it's people. like all mm -hmm. the white people in the room are like <gasps> and mm -hmm. i'm like the bit's not even about slavery it's just i mentioned it to make a point in the bit and everyone tenses up except the five black people in the room are like, that's fucking funny, dude. And I'm like, they're laughing. It's okay, you guys. Oh, man. So that's... I just stopped doing that bit. And it's it's a smart bit. It's mm -hmm. something I was proud of because it's an incredibly intelligent bit mm -hmm. that I can work in with history, which I love. And I was like, see? Uh huh. And people are like, no, we don't see it. Yeah. It's like you got to tell them. White people are so funny to perform for racially. Well, you get it a lot more because abjectly, the open mic and bar scene is – way more white than it is black mm -hmm. yeah but they're white comics i i feel like at the open mic bar scene it's more you're a comic first in whatever race you are second i 100 percent agree i yeah. think it's like that for almost everything as far as in the world of comedy mm -hmm. i always say there's people who do comedy and then there's comics uh -huh. and if you're a comic we're all together in this yeah now, if you're a person who does comedy you can go well and fuck off but mm -hmm. if you are a comic yeah. we're, we're all it doesn't matter yeah. Gender, race, creed, it, I don't give a shit. You're a comic, we're a comic, we're all together. Which is why it's always so interesting whenever I go to the stand or the cellar and there's always a table with the black comics and a table with it. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, we're all together in this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to the cellar enough to recognize that, but that shit is hilarious how how high school like the New York comedy scene oh, is. Yeah. Where it's like you got all the clicks and you got like some social butterflies and you got these people hang out with these people and these are the cool kids and these are the seniors and here are the new crop of freshmen that no one respects just because they're new. But there's going to be a cool freshman who's got the ill jokes so they get taken under the wing yep. and then the black – it's – yeah. It's insane how clicky mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about um, – so what? just real quick, I want to touch on this. How did you end up in New York? You uh, did the first show. You oh, right. Doing comedy. I did the first show. I started like doing comedy a little more. And probably like six months in, I was like, oh, my work is now a distraction from comedy. Like it it was just a nice release because like I just had it was kind of a stressful job, but it was mostly demanding. I had a demanding job. Yeah. And so comedy was like a dope outlet to just like relax, let loose, be funny, cool. And then somewhere in that first six months, I was like, oh, I think I love this. And now I hate my job because my job keeps me from doing comedy okay. and it's like a distraction. So I was like, look, I'm just going to like stack my bread for like the next two or three years, keep doing comedy and then move to New York because that's where I hear you got to go. And then that way I can figure out if this is like a dope hobby or if it is actually something that's worth if pursuing. If you're a comic or a person who wants to do comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so like once I had my savings straight, I was like, all right. Time to dip. I don't like this job no more. And my boss was like, hey, Ryan, like, I want to work on that promotion. And it was like a bitch and a half. Like, the promotion process sucked. And I was like, oh, bro, three months, I'm going to be gone. So, like, let's not even let's, let's not, not even, even work start. about yeah. that. I'm just going to dip. So, yeah, then I moved out here last July. Okay. So we moved at the same time. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. What, were you July, too? Yeah. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, July I I met 15th. you, like, September, October. Yeah, July uh -huh. 15th. And then I did, I think I did my first mic, like, 
the second week I was here. Yeah, I moved out. I June... spent the first week doing touristy stuff. Oh, yeah. I got here June 29th. My mom helped me moved in. I remember July 4th, I hooked up with my first New York chick. Yeah, you did. She was very nice. Let me chill with like her and her friends for 4th of July. And then it was just only comedy. Yeah. Just like yeah, 20 mics I, a week. I asked you about that because when I first when we first started hanging out, I was like, oh, so what's your like job? And you go, oh, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because that's rare, especially in the open mic circuit is because you know, a lot, most of us scrimped and saved and, you know, did everything we could to get here. But once we got here, we were out. Like we were like, all right, now we have to get an actual job too. Uh-huh. And that's one of my issues is everyone's like, you need to, you work at night. You need to quit that job. And I go, yeah, but I can make my rent in like three days. So I don't really want Word. to quit. Yeah. Cause it's a swanky oh, steakhouse. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, if I have one good, I mean, that's not all the time, but if mm-hmm. I have one good, cause I only work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then uh-huh. I do comedy. I even do comedy on those days. Cause some of the mics are early. Yeah. But I'm always like, yeah, but I can make my rent in a weekend. So, like, I'm not – I really don't want to quit that job to get, like, a minimum wage job 60 hours a week. But, uh-huh. hey, it's during the day. No. But, you got to find a job that, like, doesn't tax you too much mentally because yeah. then you don't have any juice for comedy. But then also, like, you do have to make money yeah. to, like, fucking pay the well, bill. Well, I meet so many people. You'd be shocked how many people I meet involved in comedy working at a swanky steakhouse. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like yeah. a lot. Like, a, not a lot, but like the people mm-hmm. I meet are kind of like higher up too. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like GMs of clubs and like very famous comedians uh-huh. and stuff like that. And I always steer the, I mean, I do a bit about when I met Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz. Obviously, they're not yeah. comedy, but they came into the restaurant and I do that bit about how I mentioned, like, yeah, I moved to New York. What brought you to New York? Comedy. Oh, we love comedy. You guys Y'all should come to the show. show. <laughs> We're kind of busy. Uh, <laughs> but. It's interesting because when I first talked to you, you're like, oh, no, I just do comedy. And I was in my head. I was like, man, is this dude like blowing up so much where he makes all his money like just doing comedy? And you're like, no, you asshole. Like I had a real job and I saved and did the responsible thing. Oh, yeah. I'm way more of a minority for that than for being black in yeah, the comedy scene. Like, definitely. Infinitely. Like no one does that. Everyone talks about on stage like I just got and I do the same thing, whether it's on stage or off stage. It's like just two more months. Two more months, I got to make it, and then something's going to blow up. And then after two months, you go, just two more months, just two. But that's the disillusion we have to have in order to keep pushing. Yeah, because you got to have something to look forward to. If it was easy, it would just be the way. Mm -hmm. Because what we do is awesome. So if it was easy, everyone would fucking would want to be on stage and tell jokes and shit like that. But it's hard. I can say this now because I'm not yet disillusioned. But I like the fact that it's not easy, and I like the fact that it weeds people out. Because, like, I think it should because on paper, like, you shouldn't enjoy anything about what we do. Like, none of us should be having a good time yeah. <laughs> in this pursuit on paper. Like, when I think about it, when, like, when I told my friends, they're like, oh, like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I am getting, like, some cash. I might make, like, $100 in a night selling tickets in the dead of winter at 10 p.m. at midnight yeah. for a show that – 10 to 20 people will come to if we're lucky and I get paid $10 every ticket. Meanwhile, back at my old job, my quota was like $70 million was my freaking quota. Like I had to, I had to sell 70, like even going back to that seems wild. And they're like, wait, so you're selling tickets for $20 now and you were selling like software for like millions. It's like, yeah, but this is dope. This is more fun. This is way more yeah. fun. I mean, granted, selling tickets is not, but it's well no, but worth yeah, yeah. the price of admission because selling tickets for two hours, I get to tell jokes for six minutes and talk about what I want to talk about and then kick it with all the homies. Yeah. And like, I, I fucking love it. Remember when I, I talked to my brother about this because he's almost 10 years older than me. Remember when having a voice and having an opinion, you had to work for people to hear that, which uh-huh. is what we do. We, uh-huh. you know, we, we have stuff we want to say. So we have to work our asses off to get people to say. And then social media came out and everyone has a voice now. And it's like, oh, man, like uh-huh. I used to have to work my ass off just to like figure out stage time. Mm-hmm. And now everyone on Twitter is just like, I'm a comic, too. Uh-huh. And the, my, one of my favorite things is when those people get like tons of followers and they're like Twitter funny. This is what happened when Twitter first came out. Mm-hmm. And then clubs would start booking them because they had a huge following on Twitter and they would just eat the biggest dick. And you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't do what I do. Get Mm -hmm. out of here. Why don't you go sit at home and write and rewrite and triple check? And yeah, then, then we'll see how it works. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect example of like the grass is greener because like social media people as a rule suck at stand up comedy as a rule and And stand up comics as a rule suck at social media. So bad. (laughs) 
it, it's it's very it's the exact inverse. It's yeah. the exact inverse, and like both just need to get better at the, the other, other thing, and yeah. also both need to show way more respect to the other one. And it's starting to happen in the stamp community. And I was late to the game too. Oh, I'm so We're like late. we showed zero respect to podcasts or social media, yeah. and now we're like, all right, I mean. Club's got to make money. Yes. I got to make money. Yeah. You getting butts and seats. And also, like, your craft is your craft. You getting people to fuck with you. Yeah. You getting to put $50 in your pocket, $100 in your pocket because you're making them laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the last thing I wanted to touch on before we go back to uh, the drinking stories and everything was you had mentioned your other job. And that's and how people don't understand. And I get that a lot at my job now mm-hmm. where people are like, dude, we work in one of like the top steakhouses in New York. Like, we're busy all the time. Like, I have coworkers all the time go, you know, if you work like five or six days a week, you could clear almost $200,000 a year and like live like a king in New York. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't move to New York to do that. Uh Like, I moved to New York to do comedy. And they go, yeah, but you take so much time off. And Uh I go, yeah, that's, yeah. Like, and I'm confused why they don't get it. And they're so confused why I don't get it. And it's just like, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And that's what happens, and, like, this is why I feel, like, I'm not, like, super religious or anything, but, like, this is when I feel, like, very blessed. You know, like, sometimes you sit down to have, like, a delicious meal, and you can tell, you're like, oh, this meal is about to, like, feed my mind, body, and spirit, and you're like, maybe I should just, like, pray real quick just because I feel very thankful. That's how I feel about stand-up comedy, because it's, like, so many people, like, never find a passion. I say this all the time. And, like, some people know what their passion is. Some people put a lot of work into finding it. I think most people are probably like you just stumble upon it and you're like, I tried this thing and now I love it forever. And like if you don't have a passion, you can never understand. it. And I'm so grateful to have found comedy because of that. Exactly what you're talking about. I see people all the time where I just go or like and I was talking about this with somebody on the podcast. um, I think it was Anya last week, but like or maybe it was before. But when people go, oh, I'm just going to hang out and like kind of figure it out. And I'm like. Because I wasted so much time drinking and doing drugs and like mm-hmm. being incarcerated and time in hospitals and rehabs that now whenever anybody says like, oh, I'm just going to hang out and like figure it out in my head, I'm like, you're wasting so much time. Mm-hmm. Like the time is that the, like, I don't care about money, obviously, like I, I don't work as much as I should because I'm just like, it's the time. And like, I used I, to care about the money. I used to so much. But now that I found this and then I see other people where. Like, I'll run into people and they talk about, like, oh, well, I was thinking about maybe doing this or doing that, like, at, at my job. And I go, just fucking do it. Like, mm-hmm. I understand. Like, for a lot of people, the money that we make, especially at the restaurant, is an ends to a me- or a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to do something else, but they need to accumulate capital to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm very big on, like, just fucking go do it. Like, st- don't just mm-hmm. pitter-patter through this because you're going to wake up and be 60 and be like, I didn't do anything. And I'm not going to say it's the only way to get out of the rat race, but like this is very much from experience because I've been very like in the system like the whole time until I started comedy. But like kind of the only way I see to like get out of the rat race is like you just have to find something you're passionate about. Yeah. And then all the things that matter to so many people that cause like undue stress stop mattering as much. Because it's like, look, I just get to do this thing that I like. I just get, and if I can pay the bills and do the thing that I like, then I'm chilling. I tell, it's funny because my work, I had a show. Uh, last Sunday or last Saturday and I put in a request at work and I ended up not getting the request because we're in Q4 and it's super busy and they're just like sorry we can't afford to for you to take a Saturday off but Mm -hmm. if you can get it covered we'll take care of it Mm -hmm. so I worked like hell to get it covered couldn't get it covered and I ended up having to work yeah and I go into work and my bosses because they understand why I moved to New York so they're incredibly sympathetic they're like we're so sorry it's just we're so busy like we just couldn't and I'm really good at my job so they're like, we just really wanted you to be here we kind of need you to be here Mm -hmm. I was like the show ended up getting bumped so Mm -hmm. I was like not a big deal and they go okay okay we just you know we'll try to work with you in the future and I looked right at my boss and well just with sincerity like I didn't mm-hmm. mean it as like a slight or a dig yeah. or anything I just looked at my boss and I go oh no if it's important enough you'll never see me again <laughs> like I'll quit on the spot like if I request off to go on tour with a big name and yeah. you guys are like oh we can't give it to you off then I'm quitting like, uh-huh. and in my head I'm like that's not that should be obvious to you right there's so much freedom in that yeah and it's like oh no if this was important uh-huh. I wouldn't be here uh-huh. and we would have to figure it out later like either yeah. you'd fire me or no call no show or you'd be like alright we understand and I'd still work it like 
we'd cross that bridge when we came to it. But like, don't get it twisted. Like, this was a big opportunity. That's not like I'm not here. And you're not supposed to do shit like that. You're not supposed to be honest. They get so they're like, excuse me, and I'm like, I'm just like I thought we were like straight shooting with each other. Yeah, and it's great when you get to do that. It's like, no, now you know where we stand. Like, this is a good thing. Like, I could like speak like we're in Game of Thrones and try to politic with yeah. you and tell you what you want to hear. But like, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Now you know. If it's important, you're not going to see me ever mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Plan accordingly. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about, because um, are you a big, you're not a big drinking guy, are you? Nah. Weed is, yeah, weed you're is more my of a vice. smoker. Okay. When did I, you first start smoking weed? How old were you when that happened? 24. Okay. So that was, all this happened after college. Yeah, dude. Because I was in sales. Sales corrupts you, bro. Yeah. Like I would did you, because you were also an athlete, Did because- Playing sports my whole life, like we never at parties. It was a lot of the other sports. It was like a lot of swimmers that uh-huh. came to the parties because a lot of the players dated the swimmers. Yeah, and like I'm trying to think, like as far as the other sports and basketball players, because uh-huh. some of the guys played football and basketball. Yeah, those were kind of the cliques that hung out. We never really hung out with the track and field crew. Did you guys have your own little thing at USC, or did you guys? We did. There was like strata within it though. So I was on the distance team, okay. and like we were we were the GPA junkies. Like okay. we were just over here every year. I was there. The track and field team guys had like the best GPA out of all the sports teams, and it was because of the distance team, which were all the non scholarship yeah. athletes. So like we were like our own like dudes, just like drinking together, whatever. Um, but then the other track people, like scholarship people. They were partying with whoever because they were they were cool kids. A lot of them were like South Central and like USC recruits heavily from there, so they were like yeah. neighborhood people, like cool cats. So they got down. I didn't do any. I got drunk in college like ten times, and five of those were like in the very last week between finals and graduation. Oh, really? Yeah. So you didn't drink in high school or anything? No, dude. That shit was so foreign to me. Okay, so what? Take dude, us through it. Like, in why? High school, why was that? There was. I was Christian. I was okay. like, I was, I wasn't super Christian, but I was like very Religious Christian. enough. Yeah. I was like going to youth group every Wednesday and shit. Shout out Matt Bowman, who was just on the podcast. Oh, word. About this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to youth group and I was just a good kid who didn't like getting in trouble. And it was to the point where like, I didn't realize that at high school dances, like kids were showing up drunk. Like I had no idea. Yeah. And there was this chick. Do you have any siblings? <laughs> I have two. I have an older and a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. I'm in the middle. Cause the only reason I knew that was happening, cause I didn't have a lot of friends in high school uh-huh. or middle school or elementary school. So the only reason I knew that was happening was because my older siblings were, were cool kids. They were mm-hmm. popular. And so oh. they were partying a lot. And I was like, I remember one time I found like bags and ba- like trash bags and trash bags of beer cans uh-huh. in the woods in our backyard. <laughs> and I ratted on my brother and my brother lost his. You narked? Yeah. I didn't know it was narking at the time. Like we got into an argument and this is Oh, why but I, you said he's like 10 years older than yeah. you. So you really didn't know. Yeah. Okay. And this is why I'm bad at roasting. This is why I'm bad at crowd work is because uh-huh. I go nuclear, mutually uh-huh. to assure destruction. Like if yeah. you're going to try and come at me, I'm burning the whole fucking thing. Uh huh. So me and my brother got into an argument. I said, yeah, well, what about all the fucking beer cans you were trying to hide from dad out in the woods? And my brother, like, lost it. And my dad had to literally calm him down. He's like, he just fucking ratted on me. I should go beat the shit out of him. Like, the fuck's wrong with him? And I was like, I got away with it. The statute of limitations. He was so days. mad. And I was like, oh, boy, apparently you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> But in my head, I was like, I'm just going to fucking go for the throat. But I knew about, like, partying and stuff. But you growing up with siblings, you guys all had that same kind of straight shooter mentality? Nah, well, none of my none of us are the same. Like, me and my siblings are, like, all very different okay. people. Like, my, my older brother, easiest way to describe him is he's, like, a geek. Like, Magic yeah. the Gathering and stuff like that. Love a little Magic the And Gathering. then, like, my younger brother is kind of, like, your quintessential younger brother. Like, yeah. getting in trouble, not getting disciplined. Likes riding motorcycles, got like tased at school just for some shit to do. (laughs) Like, so like we're all incredibly like different. Yeah. And like none of us were in the party mode and we didn't live close to the school. Like I felt like the closer you lived to the school, the more shit you could get into because you could walk from the school to the home before the parents got home. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So all the parties were happening there. And I remember we went to a dance and there was this chick that was in my youth group. She was a baddie. She, She had like the biggest and best boobs in school. And she was a freak and all that kind of stuff. So I was like doing the freak dance with her. And then after the dance, she asked me, she was like, oh, you want to go to the bleachers and I'll give you a blowjob? And like, obviously my body was like, 100% yes, bro. But then my my, my Christian spirit was like, no, this is not right. (laughs) We cannot, this dick is for Jesus. We can't put it, (laughs) we can't put it in her mouth. I was like, no. Thank you, Caleb, but no thank you. I must away. So I didn't do it. 
And then the next, like on Monday at school, she's like, hey, like, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I was super drunk and like, we were all drunk. So like, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, what? And I played it cool. But in my head, I was like, this makes so much more sense. Because there were no signs that Kayla wanted to hook up with me. <laughs> but I was like, I know enough about alcohol. Okay. All right. So did you, did your parents not drink a lot? Nah, they weren't, they weren't drinkers. See, like, this is always, I always talk about this on the show, but it's always interesting when I have, like, cause Luke Thayer was another guy who grew up in a religious household. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just so weird to me. It's not weird. It's so foreign to me uh-huh. because I came from an Eastern European family where you drink to celebrate, you drink to mourn, like drinking is a part of the culture. Uh-huh. And I was talking about this with Anya last week because she is Russian. So she mm-hmm. grew up in that similar culture. And it's weird because it's foreign to me because it's one of those things where it's like when people are like, no, I've never seen my parents drunk or I've seen my parents drunk. Like I've seen members of my family drunk more than I've seen them like in my adult life uh-huh. drunk more than I've seen them sober because when, when I see them now we're getting together for like a family event mm-hmm. so everybody's drinking and that shit is dope because like my parents they just it, it wasn't any like kind of high road or moral thing like they they just they didn't you know like people that don't smoke weed they're just like yeah. I don't like it so yeah. like whatever like they would do it. they would sip from time to time yeah but it wasn't their bag whereas I did have friends like the first time I fingered a chick was in like seventh or eighth grade at like a big, that wasn't my family, but like one of my friends, like family parties in their backyard. And everyone's hammered. Everyone's hammered. All the adults are hammered. We're hanging out and they have a hot tub, like low key in the middle of the party. Like it's on the deck, like low key. And my homegirl had her friend. You remember how like, there would just be a slutty girl come out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. It's like, this is my friend from such and such. From and, two towns over. And then she she just happens to be. And so remember the game, uh, Are You Nervous? Oh, yeah. You play that shit? Oh, yeah. Are You Nervous, if you don't know, is Matt. a game that's either like super gay or super straight. Depending where like you play it in the locker room. With. And you play in the locker room, it's like, oh, who's gay? <laughs> <laughs> or you play it with a chick that's a slut from two towns over. And obviously, I'm not going to get nervous because I'm trying to touch some <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> and you don't know if she's going to get nervous. And neither of us got nervous. So then she touched my dick and I touched her pussy. And it was very exciting stuff. Meanwhile, my friend is like sitting in the hot tub with me, like running interference, like just being like, all right, I got to let Ryan know if someone comes. <laughs> but then I think he could tell that I made it to the promised land. Cause then like you kind of, his, I was like, oh, and then like an adult came over like, Hey, what are you guys doing? I was like, nothing. <laughs> just hammered. Nothing. What are you guys doing? In the, the hot tub. Hot tub. <laughs> So when did you have your first, like, when did you, was the first time you got drunk? It was the very, I lied to myself about it, but it was the very last night of freshman year in our, in our college dorm. College, okay. Yeah, very last night when everyone's like partying and celebrating and wrecking the dorms to shit. And it was off of, that's right, Four Loco. Yeah, the original original. formula. (laughs) Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, dude. I talk to these younger kids about the original Four Loco. They're like, yeah, I drink Four Loco. I go, you weren't even around. Oh, you don't even, you don't even know. I killed people. I, I, Four Loco was so crazy that whenever I think about that night, I distinctly remember having like an out of body experience where like I was in some chick's dorm. There was a whole bunch of people there. And like, I remember seeing myself like not being able to like hold my hand like, like up. I just kept like drooping. And I was looking at myself like not being able to control my body. <laughs> like I, I was seeing it. I was like, whoa, this guy. This guy, this, this guy's got a problem. One of my friends went Ocho Loco that night. Oh no! He woke up this morning like they need to go to the hospital. Yeah, that's that because for anyone who doesn't know, the original Four Loco was like ten times stronger than a regular Red Bull, but Mm -hmm. also had the alcohol content of like an entire bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. So you would drink it, and you would be so amped up from all the fucking caffeine and taurine and everything. Goring, t- caffeine, taurine, goring, and then alcohol. Yeah, and it was a ton of alcohol because the cans are only like this big. So it's like you're getting almost like a full bottle of wine and like uh-huh. ha- and like a third of the size. So then you'd get fucked up. Oh, man. It was such a like good investment. Like for a college kid, it was like, what, five bucks, four bucks? It yeah, wasn't it was like, yeah, it was like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. Yeah. You get one of those and you're like, and you're right. good for the entire night. Yeah. 
And now, th- and I remember thinking they were delicious at the time too. I remember like, ooh, so good. And now I think about it. I'm like, bro, if, I, if that touches my lips, I might die. Yeah. It just, might be over. So then you didn't drink again. Well, you drank sparingly all the way until your senior year, the yeah. last year. Uh-huh. And then did you get in any sort of trouble during that time? Nah, I didn't get any trouble. Well, I was hungover as shit for graduation, but that's not weird. No. The trouble I got into was wild because it was like, it was sober trouble. Okay. Like, there was the hazing for the track team. We had to break into the high dive and like dive off at midnight. Okay. So like that was a thing that we did. And I remember like that night, obviously like people are drinking and whatnot. I'm not one of them. And it's a whole bunch of dudes like people are wilding. And there was this one cat, I won't say his name, but he's the most ignorant person. Yeah, no, I think he's the most ignorant person I've ever met. I'm pretty sure. And I, I know many. Yeah. And so they tried to make the hazing constructive, but like, we know it's not. So the captain was like, all right, write down a bad habit on this index card that you're going to break this semester. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we should, we should be better people. And right as he says that, the ignorant dude goes, and bear back and don't count as no bad habit, neither. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a bad habit. <laughs> pretty sure. At the time, I was a virgin, too, so I was like, I know that's a bad habit. So <laughs> this is like the vibe. So all of a sudden, the vibe changed from like, ooh, like brotherhood, camaraderie, to like, oh, shit, it's fucking on. Ignorance will reign the day. <laughs> so like, it's like a whole group of us. We go out. like we, we have to hop a whole bunch of fences to like sneak in, and we finally like open up the thing. You go, you go up 30 feet to the high dive. Yeah, it's, a, it's tall. Same ignorant-ass dude comes running butt-ass naked. Oh, We're over here looking at the captain like, you didn't tell us we have to get naked. He's like, you don't have to get naked. <laughs> he doesn't even have to jump. He's an upperclassman. I don't know why he's naked. I don't know why he's jumping. But he's, he's hammered. He's just like, woo. But he did, right? So he jumps. Now it's just a file. Just everyone jumping. You get up there. You don't have time to be scared because, like, you know the campus police might come. You don't want to be a bitch. So you get up. You're like, oh, this is high. And then you just, just do jump. it, right? Everyone jumps. It's maybe like 15 of us. Last two people go campus police are starting to come and we're like yo you gotta jump in there we're like don't be a bitch and when that doesn't work you know something's wrong because that's like the only motivation you need especially as an athlete as that don't be a bitch don't be a pussy all right yeah. what's up what's up let's, let's do it go and then the last two people are like yo we can't swim and all of us are like then why are you here <laughs> but because of like what's going on and like everyone's hype cops are coming and like everyone's drunk they half jump. the team is like don't do it and the other half is like pussies we got you so they they thank god they they walked down oh, okay. the ladder and i was like oh thank god because i was like still in the water i was gonna have to do something about it if they yeah. jump they walked down the ladder i was like all right thank god now we can get out of here and they jump off the 15 foot board bro really as if the variable to change was the air <laughs> and not the water bro you still can't swim you still can't swim. So what happened? So now you have track athletes trying to save like drowning track athletes. None of us are swimmers. You don't know how to do it. So we're just trying to save drowning people. Because most of you are probably just treading the water to begin with. Yeah, like we can swim, but saving someone is a totally different thing. I'm from Florida and that's the same way. Like if I can do a deep end, it's a lot of just like treading water. Like there's not like I'm not a swimmer. I don't, have you ever tried to save someone? that No. Dude, they will kill you. Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot about it. For a second, I thought I, I'm a very good swimmer. And obviously, we were in shape from track. Yeah. I thought I was going to die for a little bit because they will push you under so to that they themselves. can breathe. Yeah. And even if you kind of control them, like they're just they're afraid. Yeah, they everyone always says the trick is you have to like go underneath their arms and like get behind them and mm-hmm. like swim that way because they'll yeah. be flailing and everything. And you want them to do it out, not mm-hmm. towards you. Yeah. And so they'll just be like, Ugh, and like you're up like trying to kick and like push their ass up. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't get I'm up. I'm going to die. I'm going to die here. So I, I don't know. The four or five of us that are in water, like we finally like save the two people and like we, we get them like Because there's no the shallow pool. end in a, in a D1 pool. Yeah. It's a deep dive pool. The shit's yeah. like 20 feet or however deep. Like it gets a jump at 30 feet. Yeah. Hidden. It's not. When, he's, when you say pool, I don't want people to know. This isn't like a campus pool where you can like wade into it. And it's, it's built for athletes. Yes. To go very deep. Very quickly. Yeah. It was warm. That part was nice. Now, I haven't told this story in a long time. I'm realizing, like, what a crazy night this was. That's insane. And it's crazy that we got away with it. So, like, once everyone finally got on, like, dry land, now the campus cops were there, and they were obviously, like, stop. <laughs> and everyone kind of looked at each other, like, all right, well, we good now. Because, like, we fucking run track. What yeah. are you going to do? Now we're in our element. 
So then you just see like a whole bunch of like half naked dudes just in swim trunks, no shirts, bare feet. And like we're steaming because it's like night and the yeah. pool was that hot. Just gone and like the campus cops at usc have like these dumbass segways that they call chariots oh, God, yeah. so it's like a segway but it's three wheels instead and they probably cap at it like i don't know 10 15 miles per hour whatever it You're was way than that. whatever it was it was so fun because we had the adrenaline of getting caught we had the adrenaline of almost dying and then we had the adrenaline of like just getting to be fast yeah so right. everyone just just took off yeah so everyone got away on. with it literally everybody Dude, did they? Do you think the campus? Because if this is a thing that they do every year, do you think the campus police knew and they're just like, ah, we didn't catch anybody. Who cares? Or do they take that kind of stuff seriously? Because I've encountered it both ways. When I was a freshman at FAU, we kind of would just get drunk and walk around campus because I lived on campus, but you weren't allowed, allowed, you weren't necessarily allowed to walk through main, you know, the main mm -hmm. campus yeah. at night because there's no reason to be there. Uh -huh. So they would catch us and they'd just be like, all right, go. You guys are all drunk. Like, go back to your dorms, or we're gonna like give you written arrest for drinking underage. Yeah. But then there was a shooting at my school mm -hmm. and it wasn't even like a shooting that you would like hear about. It was like a guy got a, brought a gun to a party yeah. and like it went off. And so someone called the police, uh -huh. but it was, it wasn't like a mass shooting as you know, as they are presently constructed in a lot of schools, it was just mm -hmm. like an accidental gun went off, Yeah. but that the school labeled it a shooting. Yeah. And so it like, as far as the school was concerned, this was like two years in everything got locked down. So, like I said before, it wasn't a big deal. Like they'd catch you and be like, whatever, especially me. Cause I played football and I'd be like, Oh, I'm on the team. Like call. So-and-so like call. Cause we had officers that would, you know, do stuff for the team. So mm -hmm. I'd be like, Oh, call the FAU officer, blah, blah, blah. But then after my sophomore year, when I didn't play sports anymore and that shooting happened, like you weren't even allowed to go outside your fucking dorm. Oh, like if you really? walked out of your dorm building past a certain time, they'd fucking snatch you up. Oh, we didn't, we didn't. We didn't have that. I mean, the worst thing that happened while I was there, which was very bad, it did not happen on campus, though. It happened maybe like a mile or two west, but like in an area that like some students were. There were some international students and got they were victims of a carjacking and both of them got shot in the head. Oh, dead, shit. And they were students at the school. So after that, like things did get more locked down, but it was still fine to like walk in and out of campus. They just now had like more gates yeah. around it. But I, I never had like it was because well, USC is not that's not in a that's not in the best area of town, is it? No, I mean, I haven't been back in a long time, but like they're gentrifying the shit out of it. OK. And when I was there, like the neighborhood, South Central surrounding, like they still fucked with SC heavy. Like they loved it. There was one time where we were doing practice, like just outside the campus and uh, a, a group of bloods from, I think, Compton like came up to our tra our head track coach and they just were like hey we fuss with SC just so you know we got you oh shit and our coach was like a super old white dude but like obviously coaching track been around black kids forever yeah. so he's not tripping about nothing he's like thanks <laughs> i mean what's he going to do like all right like thank you yeah <laughs> gang gang dog yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Well, because I noticed that, I mean, obviously NYU doesn't have a, a whole lot of sports stuff going on, but like, it's weird to see, cause my school was in Boca, so it wasn't near like a big city. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously USC is in, you know, South Central area. And then like NYU is literally in the middle of Manhattan. Uh -huh. So it's weird to like walk around and like, you'll see kids wearing like NYU shirts and the homeless people don't give a fuck. They're like fucking with them. Mm -hmm. You know, some like, you know, people that probably... You know, have some scary things about them. They're like fucking with them and stuff. And I, so that's why I was thinking. I was like, oh shit, was it like dangerous going to school where you went to school? But mm -hmm. obviously, a lot of the surrounding people were like, no, we we love SC. That's yeah. why we like living over here. Yeah, no, there was like a reverence about it. Like uh, I remember one time I was walking with a couple of my track friends, and it was three of us, and all of us are black. And then a couple yeah, you said track friends. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> And uh, a, couple, a couple dudes walked up to us, black dudes, and they were like, they weren't clearly gangbanging until they said, yo, where are you from? Uh, and like the way they said it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like, oh. And like I snapped into action. I was like, oh, I know what to do here. And like I I'd like, I was like, oh, I'm from San Jose, California, but like I currently go to USC. Like I, I made it like I talked like I had glasses. <laughs> 
your you whole know what life. I'm saying I was like, okay, like I'm not, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I'm not, I'm not about to brother these people up at all. <laughs> what a cut! No, yeah, I'm about to sound like as white as possible. I'm not trying to play these games even a little bit. And so, I, I have friends that do comedy in California, and they say it's fucking. If you try to be like down. You'll you'll get woken up real fucking quick. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And people already say I talk white, but like I really put on like a thick, yeah, a thick one. And they went, "Oh, word, y'all go to SC? That's what's up." And then they dapped us up, and then we just like went on our way. God. But like the three of us were like, "Oh <laughs> boy, yeah." So I wanted to talk. So you said you drank. You didn't get in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but one once you got into the corporate world, you had mentioned earlier that that kind of corrupted. Oh, you yeah. as a person. Yeah. So was that salespeople are so degenerate yeah, as you know. Fucking, it's yeah. wild. It's crazy. They're like so many of them are so dumb and they make so much money. Stupid money. And because they're dumb and they make so much money, they just get litty. And like I feel like a lot of salespeople have a mentality of like, wow, I wasn't supposed to be shit and I wasn't supposed to be good at anything and I sure shit wasn't supposed to make money. So now that I am, like I'm playing with house money. Yeah. And it's because, like, you are dumb at most things, but you're fucking, you found a thing that you're genius at. Yeah, you you're found fucking your passion. Great, you're That's fucking what we're great at about this. Earlier. Yeah. And because you're great at this, like, go head on, turn up. Yeah. So it's very easy. Like, I'm, <laughs> I remember, like, one of the first things uh, one of my mentors told me when I first started, straight out of college, don't know shit about corporate world. He's like, no one's ever given me a mentee before, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> Dude, two weeks into knowing this guy, He's like, hey, so would you fuck our boss? I'm just out of college. I'm like, is this a trap? Like, what? Well, I was like, no. Nah. It's like, a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. He's like, he's like, he's like, what if, what if our boss like had a one on one with you, and then she just like put her leg like up on the table with a skirt and was like, eat this. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this at all. I Especially because you were more sheltered than a lot of people. Yeah, I was over here like, yo, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm working late because I don't understand anything. And that was just the beginning because then now you're going to happy hour. Yeah. So now now everybody's drinking. I, I went out with my team one time and uh, they, they were casually like, hey, we're doing acid. I was like, I don't know. Casually? I don't know what your definition of we is, but uh, I certainly have to be at the office tomorrow. I think that you also have to be at the office tomorrow. So you didn't do acid? And then I turned around like we already did. I was like, what's happening? (laughs) God. Oh, my God. So did you end up doing it or no? Not that night. Good. No, I I probably – it was probably a few more years before I tried acid, yeah. So then what? when did you – because how old were you when you moved to New York? Uh, What was that? 30? Okay. 30, I think. So before that, because you said you started smoking weed at 24. Was that uh-huh. through the the corporate team? Yeah, that was the corporate team because I had my homie that lives out here. Shout out to Mike O. What up, Mike O? Mike O, he was he was like the, the Wody at the office. And we were together for a couple years, and then he was going to move back to New York. He was from here. And every time I would kick it with him in San Francisco, I'd be like, hey, let me smoke. And he'd be like, word? And I'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, ah, just kidding. <laughs> and every time I would just go so deep into the bit that every time he would eventually be like, uh, and I'd be like, nah. So the last night we do a go on away. We're drunk at a place we shouldn't be drunk. It's like all the homies. We like climb on top of a building, like have like a great, it's like a coming of age night, but for being adults. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I'm going to miss you. He's like, I'm going to miss you too. I was like, nah, I don't think you understand. Actions speak louder than words. Let me get that doobie. So then I smoked weed for the first time with like all my sales homies. And then I realized that I had been like staring at a wall smiling for, honestly, it could have been a minute. It could have been 10 minutes. But I, once I realized that I was smiling for no reason, I was like, guys, I'm high. <laughs> and people were like, yeah, Ryan got high. So after that, did you start smoking a lot more? It, it was a slow burn. Yeah. It probably took me like a year or so to smoke like any kind of, because you're kind of consistency. Like we were talking about earlier, you're more of a smoker than you are a drinker. Yeah. Like now, I, I have to temper myself with weed. Yeah. If you told me I couldn't drink anymore, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I, that kind of sucks for special occasions, but like whatever. Yeah. No biggie. But if you told me I couldn't smoke anymore, I'd be like, nah. Damn, bro. Like never? Yeah. Like let me, let me, let me get once a week at least, dog. Yeah. So that's the one where like I have to focus on and not do it too much because it definitely makes you dumber. Well, does sure. it get, does it ever get away with you? Like, get away from you, I should say? Like, are you ever, like, on stage or, like, writing a bit, and then the next day you look at it or listen back to the set, and you go, what the fuck was I doing? Oh, yeah, I'm 50-50 being high on stage. Okay. I, I pretty much, in, in terms of it working, I'm pretty yeah. much never high on stage. Yeah, I didn't think you were. Yeah, yeah. But, like, when I was in Austin, 
like you know how it is like new city yeah you, you got the oh. nerves you wish you didn't have yeah. and you, you're not putting it down like you know you can't all that kind of stuff so like that happened to me at a mic the uh, like literally the other day yeah there was what a, a well-known comic came into the well well-known for us came uh-huh. into the room and they don't really do open mics anymore because they're doing so much. They yeah. got so much stage time, and they mm-hmm. came in. and I go, oh, I got a fucking crush in front of this person, and I got in my own head. And then the set went horribly, and I texted SB after, and I was like, "You're not gonna fucking believe what just happened." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Why didn't you just do your?" Th-? And I was like, "Cause I was trying to impress yeah, this person." Because now you're not in the room anymore, yeah. and that's exactly what my problem was. Is like I was like, I'm from New York. You yeah. guys booked me for a whole weekend. Got to like, bring I'm, it. I'm coming here to impress, and like that kind of like fucked me. I didn't do bad, but like. I wasn't like proud of my performances, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. And so the last night, I was like, well, it's the last night, fuck it, I've made some friends. One of my homegirls that I just met from from Houston was like, oh yeah, let me let me smoke. I was like, I'm going to hold off. And then she was basically like, fuck it, dude. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Fine, whatever. Fuck it. So that time, I was actually like really zoned in because like the high made me relaxed. And because I knew I couldn't go fast because I was high, like I needed time to sort my thoughts. And That's so it. it's the slow down. I was like completely in control and the audience was like going at my pace. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the camp of like some comics like to be high sometimes just to like get that different feel on stage. Absolutely. So like probably like once a month, I'll just try it and like see how it goes. And like I got some good riffs from it for sure. Well, like, that's good. Because the thing that I even when I was drinking, because I stopped doing comedy for three years the last time I relapsed because I was like. Because I used to get drunk and make an ass out of myself. In my, like, I'd run the light, but no one would stop. Like, no one's going to stop me. Uh-huh. So, like, I'd do, like, 12 minutes of an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression uh-huh. at a five-minute mic. Oh. And people would be like, dude, get oh, the you, fuck off the stage. You state. fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I, I got sober and then I relapsed a bunch of times. But when I started relapsing over and over and over again, I was like, I'm not going to even go to comedy. Mm-hmm. So I, took an, I ended up taking, like, three years off because I was like, I'm not going to do. I have too much respect for the art form to uh-huh. do it. But one of the things that's been incredibly frustrating since I've gotten sober, and I don't know if it's because I'm sober or if it's because how passionate I am about comedy and stage time. Mm-hmm. But when I see people who are like fucked up and they get on stage and they're like, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. And I'm uh-huh. like, then fucking get off. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's, it- the, that's the time. And that's why I asked because I know some comics who like to get really high before they go up. But normally they're always like, killing so mm-hmm. i'm like who gives a shit yeah but sometimes it backfires and like they'll like start going down a wormhole and mm-hmm. then they can't get out of it and i'm like all right maybe you should have thought this through yeah i can't i can't riff when i'm high but like i can i can expand on bits but i do i I do have to have a plan yeah. when i go up i have to know what bits i'm doing and then I'll, I'll approach them a little differently and i can listen back to the recording and be like oh shit that's a fucking that's a good tag right there yeah. I had a your body, your choice tag that I've never used before. I was like, damn, I didn't even realize that joke wasn't done until I listened to me high. I was like, now that joke is yeah. done. It's so funny how many times we'll have like throwaway lines and then we listen back and we go, oh, that's that's the tag. Yeah. That's the tag. Mm-hmm. All the shit I wrote doesn't even work. It was something I said in the moment. That's the tag. Uh-huh. So when was the last time? Because I wanted to ask you about, we've only got a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you about this, uh, the Brazilian thing. But oh. then you also had grad night, so I didn't know which one you'd rather do. Nah, we'll do the Brazilian thing. Okay. Because that parlay is from like the work and the sales. Okay, perfect. And the general debauchery. So there was this chick at my office in my first job where it's like, and I, I was very straight laced. So like it took me a while to like actually dip my pen in the company ink. Cause yeah. I was like, I'm not trying to like fuck this up and HR and like also I don't want to like misread the vibes all that kind of stuff right that's a yeah that's a thing but there was a chick like she would just give me eyes and I'm not very good at like reading cues so if I if I think that like you're about it then you probably are because I think 90 90% of the time at least I'm sure if like a chick is trying to like send me signals I miss it completely yeah I'm the same way and someone tells me later and they're like yeah for a while I was like no. I her? literally had someone come up to me and obviously Savannah and I have been together for like four years and I love her to death and I I, I have this whole thing about cheating and it's a whole mm-hmm. thing. But obviously I would never do that. But it's nice to feel wanted sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a comic come up to me and they go, hey, you know, so-and-so, I won't mention the place because it'd be easy to figure out who they go. Hey, you know, so-and-so said the first time they met you, they wanted to drag you in the bathroom and rip off all your clothes and suck your dick. And I was like, Nobody ever says that about me. Not me. Like, that's not. And they go, I promise you. 
And then I thought back, like at the end of Usual Suspect, where yeah. it all comes like tumbling uh-huh. in, and I was like, oh my God. And again, I would never act on it, but I was like, I just missed everything. It's so true. Like I just missed every single sign. And then and then I thought about it. And it's funny because I had a big smile on my face because I was like, I am fucking hot. Like, oh, dude, it feels so good. When someone yeah. wants to, I, I had some chick tell me she wanted to jump my bones when she first met me. I was like, that phrase sounds dumb, but God damn it, do I feel good right now. That's well, going to keep can, me going for a week. Just don't see it. I yeah, just you don't. just wanted to fuck me? Yeah. That's great. I never see it. I'm always just like, wait, who liked me? Mm-hmm. First of all, that is hilarious. Secondly, congratulations to you and your ego. I mean, we should kill the ego, but at the same time, congratulations Thank to you. you. I appreciate that. And thirdly, Loki, fuck the person for telling you, because like you got to be able to keep secrets like that. Yeah, right. I'm happy. I'm happy they told you, because that's entertaining and hilarious. But at the same time, like, bro, you can't just be out here flapping. <laughs> you can't be out here with the flaps. I love keeping. Secrets. I learned that from my brother when I was like ten years old. I'm I'm the best secret keeper you've probably ever met. Are you really? Anytime I, I swear to God, I have never told a secret that someone didn't want me to tell. If you say, hey, you can't tell anyone, then I will not tell anyone. I got anyone. so much stuff I want to tell you after this podcast. Oh yeah, dude. Can't I'm, tell anybody. Yeah, though. dude. I'm a fan. I like I I not sexually or anything, but I get off on it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll fucking keep the shit out. Like, yeah. All right, ours. I, I, I'll get to the Brazil story, but just real quick, like one time there was this chick and I met her through my best friend. Yeah. And she she wanted to tell me some shit, but she's like, I'm not going to say it when like the best friend is around because like I know him and I don't want him to know like this level of detail, but I don't know you. So it's fine. So when he went to go take a shit, she told me what it was. And I, I'm not going to say it. I'll say it after the podcast on yeah. the off chance that my best friend listens to this because he still can't know the secret because I was sworn to secrecy. But she only said I couldn't tell him. So I'll tell other people. But like all, all it was was actually, yeah, fuck, I'll say it. It was just like she liked anal. That was it. Oh, and then, but that was the thing. That was it. It was just like, I like anal, but because they were like friends and coworkers, she didn't want to say that, but she was like, yeah, I love that shit. So he came back. He's like, tell me. I was like, no, I can't. And then when she left, he was like, all right. Now, what did she say? I was like, bro. You just didn't tell him. She told me that I couldn't tell anyone. That includes you. So probably for like, I don't know, a few months, maybe even a year, he kept asking. He's like, yo, so what was it? And I was like, I, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. Wow, so you really are a good secret keeper. Yeah. I mean, he did ask. He's like, oh, does she like me? I was like, oh, no, it wasn't that. <laughs> that's that's not what it was. Yeah. Well, but, what um, happened with the Brazilian girl? Brazilian chick. So a uh, co-worker was like sending me vibes, but I wasn't sure. A couple years later, uh, I happened to go to Brazil with one of my good friends and his girlfriend who was, I don't like using the word, but for the sake of brevity, she was being a complete bitch to me. Okay. That's objectively details not important i don't use it like seriously often but that's what she was doing and it turned out because i was trying to get away from them because my boy's like yo dude i'm sorry about this yeah that that co-worker that was like giving me eyes happened to be in, in rio de janeiro wow. when i happened to be there and so we linked up at like whatever like neighborhood party that was going on started drinking dancing grinding whatever and then they have like Capitarinas there. So like I I went, I got wasted. Yeah. I got like my phone got stolen that night Fuck in yeah, like a foreign city where I don't speak the language. We end up going back to like the place that she's staying. And I was so fucked up that it was the first and only time that I've ever had whiskey dick. Yeah. But here's the thing, like, if if you don't have like ed and whiskey like if if it's your first time like you don't know what's happening so like you you, freak out you panic yeah you're like oh no like what what the fuck is wrong you genuinely mean it when you go this doesn't ever happen Mm -hmm. and you're like damn and like also i want to fuck you and like this is very much a one-time thing because obviously i have no scruples of fucking you like we're not even in our country we we took passports to get here like whatever (laughs) happens like like i'm gonna give you the dick right and i couldn't do it and i was so like sad and disappointed and embarrassed and drunk and so that's the first night that i ate ass Oh, I, really? Yeah, because I felt bad for being like an inadequate lover. And I was like, damn, like we thousands of miles to fuck and now we're not doing it. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I just got to give it my all and <laughs> eat your ass. Like that was how I felt. Oh, my God. I was like, I can't. All right. Don't munch on it. God. Well, hey, uh, you, you went for it. You went mm-hmm. for it. And that's what it's all about. If we learn anything from this podcast, it's just don't think it, overthink it. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plug everything one more time. Damn. All right. Social media, Ryan Thomas Comedy on TikTok and Instagram. And uh, if you ever want to see me live, I'm at the Grizzly Pair, Stand Up New York, Tiny Cupboard. Come through. 
Thank you so much for coming on, man. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. This was fun. Oh, this was wonderful. I'm sad we didn't have more time. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. At Brennan T. Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. One Man Show is coming out in January. Uh, I'll post the link for the tickets as soon as I find a theater that wants to do it. So uh, keep eyes out for that. And subscribe on Patreon. Get your extra drinking buddy merch. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Beautiful. That was fun, man. I could tell when we started.